My next guest on Tea Time is Sophie Harker, Senior Eurospace Engineer of Flight Systems at BAE. Sophie is part of this Engineering Day on the 3rd of November, created by the Royal Academy of Engineering to celebrate the role of engineers and engineering in improving sustainability. This week is also COP26, where global leaders have gathered in Glasgow to take climate action. Sophie talks about the developing technologies that she is working on to reduce carbon emissions. Inspired by astronaut Dr. Helen Sharman, the first British person in space, I found out more about her aspirations as a British female engineer. So self, Sophie, welcome to the Tea Time podcast with me, Ali Monjack. So it's engineering day this week, isn't it? On the 3rd of November. And how long have you been an engineer? Yeah, so well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, so I've been an engineer for ooh, seven years now, seven years. So I joined Beer Systems back in 2014, 2014, so seven years, yeah, and moved around on all sorts of different things and absolutely love it. Brilliant. So, I mean, I know things have progressed, but, you know, back at school, were there really those kind of options on the table for you <laughs> to be an engineer in the STEM system or not really? Uh, not really. Um, so there was the sciences and the maths and thing. Obviously, I, I did a maths degree, so that was kind of always there and present and like I've shown promise for maths since I was a young, young girl. So that was often the thing that people who assumed I would go and do, but nobody really thought oh what about sort of the more applied maths what about the engineering side of things because it just wasn't a thing that was really on the cards um which is a bit of a shame really and I don't I don't come from like a STEM background my my dad's a carpenter my mom's a teaching assistant in primary school so it's just not the world we were in um and so I thought engineers are people that fix your dishwasher or your washing machine or your satellite dish whatever it was until I was 19 so quite quite late on did I sort of work out what engineering actually was but you were actually inspired, weren't you, to, to work at, a, you know, a place like BAE because of um, going to the Kennedy Space Centre when you were 16. So describe that to me. What, what was the first, I mean, obviously, lot of excitement? Yeah, it was it was amazing. So I, I went with my family when I was 16 to Disney World, um, which, you know, I'm very excited for going back in a month's time. Very, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, and uh, we my dad dragged us all to Kennedy Space Center. And I don't think any of us really wanted to go, but we, we went. Um, and I remember going around and just sort of being absolutely fascinated by sort of the sheer scale of things and like the not just how big things are, but how small things are and how how small like these little challenges they have to overcome are. Um, like if you know if you're trying to drink water in in space, like how do you do that without it floating away? Like silly, silly little things like that. That those challenges I just got really inspired by. And then I watched a video about um, sort of where NASA wanted to go in the future, and there was a video of this woman on Mars, and she dropped like a photo of her family, um, and it basically said this could be you um and I remember sitting there at 16 going yes it could be me that's exactly what I want to do um and decided I want to be an astronaut and genuinely still do it's still still my life goal as it were um and it kind of just inspired me down that route and I was really lucky when I was about 19 years old I got to meet Dr Helen Sharman who's who's the first British person in space and she was the first person to ever say this is what engineering is have you thought about engineering it's not just you know mechanics and overalls and oils it's not that at all it's you know you're inventing you're creating the future it's all those things and yeah I really credit 
that moment with her for getting me into engineering. Yeah, it is completely. I mean, um, I've actually done an interview with somebody who's done a documentary on searching for Skylab, which I'm not mm. sure if you're aware. Well, you probably are aware. Was it <laughs> the first international space station, wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. Yeah, so that that's that's really exciting. And, you know, all the, the technology and engineering that went into to just mm. taking them up into space in the first place to, to live there and explore. Um, there's a lot of engineering that goes into that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's all those small challenges and that kind of reads across into aerospace and how I ended up in aerospace was finding out more about it and realising that those challenges are very similar. You, you've got to overcome all those small things, like what happens if you move a switch like an inch to the left? Can you still use the switch when you need to use it? Like all those strange things that you just have to keep attacking and keep trying to solve. And um, yeah, that was that's kind of like my lead into it. Brilliant. So, I mean, you first got your job at... BAE systems. So how long have you been there now? I've been there seven years. So I did an internship between my third and fourth years at university because I did like an integrated master's in maths. Um, mm -hmm. I did a, a placement for three months um, and then I joined as soon as I graduated in 2014. So seven years with BAE now moving across a whole host of different problems, different, different projects uh, throughout that time. Well, initially you started out as a flight path to do with space travel didn't you to do with the space plane yeah so I did I joined the on a graduate scheme so at the time you could move around every six months and try different things so I, I did a whole host of different things like I did aerodynamics placements for typhoon I did um cockpit group work where I got to design elements of the cockpit for typhoon things like that and then BAE invested in a company called reaction engines um and they're quite a small company um compared to BAE um who are developing um something called Sabre which is the synergetic air breathing rocket engine um, so it's kind of like a normal air breathing engine that you have on an aircraft smushed together with a rocket engine and then there's very special special pre-caller put on the front of it um, and I got to go down there for six months and work with them um, and work on their development for the Skylon space plane concept which is a single stage to orbit plane so it takes off from a runway flies all the way into space um, and mm -hmm. then comes and floats back down again on onto onto a runway um, so it was an amazing amazing six months I had there really 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 enjoying my time there so I came back to BAE and was like I, 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 I've gained all this knowledge now I spent all this time learning about this and, and you know working on it I want to bring that back so I got to stay at BAE working with reaction engines for the following two and a bit years um, and, and working out what we could do with that technology and how we could apply it to space plane concepts but also things like hypersonics so traveling faster than Mach 5 and the statistic everybody likes to hear is getting to Australia in four hours and that sort of thing those yes. sort of world that I was working on and um, which was so much fun and I one of my um, proudest moments as it where I was is working in, on that project. So do you know how Sir Richard Branson's team have engineered his new <laughs> spacecraft then? I know bits and pieces about it, yeah. As much as I'm allowed to know in the public domain, because there will be a lot of very commercial <laughs> sensitive secrets. Mm -hmm. I imagine, particularly with the race going on with Blue Origin at the time, they've been very protective over their technology, which is which is completely understandable. So yeah, it's a it, interesting concept it is. So that's more sort of two stage to orbit, as we call it somebody like me is not going to begin to understand it but, but the point I'm making is you know within your role you have reached a stage where you can completely understand how it works yeah yes yeah. so you can sort of understand the 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 principles behind this so why you would want to launch from a, from another aircraft essentially which is what they do and why you would want to take that route rather than just a standard rocket 
um, or a, well, a special rocket in, in many cases to get yourself to, to orbit, but why you'd want to take that different approach. And there's there's many reasons like the flexibility it provides, there's other reasons sort of um, the safety sort of levels that it can provide and things like that. So there's a lot of reasons why you would do it that way. Um, so yeah, so that kind of concept definitely, definitely makes makes it um, a more interesting, interesting uh, news news information for me to see, see how they're doing it and, and where, how they, far they get. So it was a very exciting day for me anyway, um, when they got to do that. So, I mean, you know, to, to go back to, you know, how you initially started off with, with spacecrafts and flight paths, I mean, then you've moved on again, haven't you, to, to tackle yeah. something new? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So about two and a bit years ago, I moved um, into something called Team Tempest. Um, and so Team Tempest is a, like a UK collaboration with lots of different companies um, trying to work out what the future of military jets will look like. So essentially what eventually, eventually will replace Typhoon in the future for, for the RAF and, and, and other um, uh, militaries. So looking at a whole host of different things, my special area, as it were, was something called flight control system. So I kind of explain that as like the central nervous system of the aircraft. So it's the brain in the middle of the computer in the middle of the aircraft it's all the moving bits so your arms your legs of the aircraft as it were and then it's all the sensors so your eyes of the aircraft working out how fast you're going how far you're going how high you are those sort of things um, and getting it all in together and to make it work together as a cohesive system so it's like your central nervous system of the aircraft and so I was looking at what technologies we need in the future what what we have now and um, what we what challenges we're going to face and things like that um, to create that whatever team tempest becomes in the future so Bye. really good fun really really good fun so it sounds like another sort of area of engineering that you've had to learn. And obviously physics mm. plays a huge part in this, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. Um, and like I say, like, I didn't do an engineering degree. I did a maths degree. Um, so it, it was a bit of a learning curve when I first um, uh, brought, brought it forward, as it were. Um, but from there, it's kind of been a case of, okay, so it is impossible to know everything about aircraft. It's impossible to know everything about an engineering product because they're so complicated. Um, so everybody is learning at some point in their career and everyone learns throughout the entirety of their career. So what I really enjoy is taking on a new challenge and moving on to something and going, okay, so what can I add to this? What legacy can I leave in this project? Um, and that's what I really enjoy doing. So um, I've now obviously moved again. As, as, as you yes, know, so, so yes. You, you've just said, so congratulations on your work. <laughs> you. So yeah, do, do tell us more about it. Yeah, so I've moved into is a, a new area for BAE Systems Air Sector as it is so called electric products. So this is going to be um, a mix of different electric air vehicles, essentially. So um, the one that has been announced recently is a heavy lift drone. So it can lift 300 kilograms, which is an amazing amount for a drone to lift, um, which opens up a whole host of things. So not just for like military logistics, like carrying things on and off ships and things like that, but also things like emergency evacuation or medivac and things like that. So if there's people stranded places or if there's a medical situation that, and you can't get um, the air ambulance there or whatever there, then you could possibly send one of these and literally airlift your casualty out, which is an amazing thing to be able to do. And um, my, my, as I was saying, my very like uh, eco-warrior 12-year-old inner self is very pleased to be working on electric products to be able to do something good for the environment and, and hopefully leave that legacy in that area now. So I'm, I'm presuming, you know, to, to break it down to people who are listening, it, it's, mm -hmm. um, you're taking a lot of people out in one hit instead of, you know, keep going back and saying take five or ten people out, lifting them out of a, an emergency situation, for example. 
well, it, it could still be one or two people at a time, um, but what it means is you're not putting anybody else at risk. So uh, a drone obviously is un uncrewed. So there's no pilot on board. The pilots are elsewhere um, or they're pre-programmed algorithms. So you, it knows exactly where it's going to fly and it can go out there and rescue people from, say, mountaintops that, can't, that you can't get to otherwise or you're putting people at risk. Or it can get out to sort of like in the middle of warfare and go and pick people up from, from there where it's a very dangerous place to be. So it just reduces the risk to human life um, by having those uncrewed um, uh, drones and um, but obviously being fully electric it gives it um it doesn't leave a, a footprint behind which is which is even better yes and i mean it, it's cop 26 at the moment isn't it i mean that's really oh quite something and we've got a long long way yes. to save the planet obviously you know we're yes. not the main perpetrators in the uk but however we need to get carbon emissions down to to 1.5 don't we yeah, and yeah. I'm very much a fan of the phrase perfection is the enemy of the good. Um, as long as we're doing something and we're moving towards, you know, a, a more sustainable future, then we're doing good things. Um, and that, that's kind of where, where I view, view electric, electric aircraft, electric products and that sort of thing. Yeah, so in terms of, you know, what you're working on now, as you said, it, you, you're really looking at the carbon footprint of, of, you know, vehicles as well. So, I mean... Are you working with different energies? I can't say too much at the moment. <laughs> so I'm having to be very careful. And um, so at the moment we're the the public and publicly announced project, as I said, with, with the, the heavy lift drones with Malloy Aeronautics, and that's mostly with battery technologies. Um, so not many different fuels or anything like that, mostly with battery technologies is sort of um where, where we're at, at the moment. Um, but like I said, I can't say too much about too many uh, things, no. I'm afraid. It is interesting though, isn't it? You know, with with all this um you know energy crisis at the moment with the lack of well fossil fuels but also I mean you know what we have been using this year um in terms of green fuels such as well green technologies such as wind farming and solar power yeah. I mean we just haven't had produced the amount of wind apparently have we all solar so um, yeah entirely entirely and it's it's been a sort of um a project with MBA for a very long time is is particularly solar we have we have a um uh, an old runway of one of our sites that was disused and wasn't being used for anything so we covered it in solar panels so it's completely covered in solar panels now provides um uh, power to a load of our sites but as you say it's it's very much dependent on on the weather um <laughs> but it's, it's it's a significant chunk we take out using it so like I say, it's improvement, it's better, and hopefully um, more and more will be able to provide for it. Yeah, so that that is interesting. And I mean, I, there's a, a lot of talk about hydrogen at the moment, isn't there? Yes. Green hydrogen. So um, I only found out the other day that there's so many different types of hydrogen. Yeah yeah it's, it's something we used um well i say we, we that reaction engines use for um uh saber the the engine that's that's what they use to power it so it's um a completely combustible product so we completely burn it um so again we can burn it completely which means that the only thing coming out the back of that is is, is water and um, which is an amazing thing to come out of a, of a essentially a rocket powered engine um, is just to have water as your, your exhaust product and um, so it's there's a lot of things that we can use with, within aerospace with hydrogen but one of the bigger challenges is actually getting hydrogen because um, that's quite a power um well it drains a lot of power to get hydrogen out of water which is how most people create it and um, so it's how where you source that power as well so it's quite a complicated 
like you think you solve one problem and then it grows and grows and grows and you're like oh I've got to get better energy from there and I've got to sort that problem and solve that issue and it's not just a one shot um oh we've replaced the fuel if that makes sense Um, no I I completely understand what you're saying so I mean there's many different elements but you know having being an experienced engineer who's been working across you know three different sectors now um in the last seven years do you see that you know perhaps I mean yeah I know you can't say definitely that we will be able to have a whole new system of air travel that you know just doesn't leave a carbon footprint I hope so I really do I'm optimistic about it um, and I'm optimistic about the sort of I don't want to say sudden influx but the sort of the the relative recent push for it in aerospace and I think Covid has helped that I think people have gone oh okay so we've cut down on, on flying and clearly it had a good impact on the environment so we need to when as we bring it back we need to embed the environment and sustainable element in that as we bring it back so I'm really pleased that that is that has been a positive outcome of, of the sort of the, the hit that aerospace has taken over the last 18 and then 18 months, two years. Um, and so I am optimistic about the future in that sense. So I do hope one day that we, we can remove the need for, for fossil fuels in aerospace. I'm not in the I'm not on the phase of thinking, oh, it's never going to happen. I do think one day we will. Um, how long that takes honestly depends on how much funding and things like that that these projects get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it it'll be interesting to see, and of course, you know, a lot rides on, you know, the conference at the moment. You know, and, and we'll mm-hmm. see. I mean, there's been some tremendous speeches made by the Prince of Wales uh, and also Boris Johnson himself. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, what would you, as an engineer, like to see come out of it this this year's conference? Yeah, I think a commitment to engineering. I know that sounds like a strange thing to say, but a commitment mm-hmm. to actually engineering solutions and not just a commitment to to do something. Do you know what I mean? To actually say, okay, we, we recognize we don't have the technologies for these things, or we do have the technology, but it's small scale at the moment. So a commitment to really push those technologies through, I think is what I would really like to see, because I think it is technology that's going to get us through this. It's technology that is going to help repair the planet and repair the situation we are in. Um, and in, as aerospace goes, that, that could be electric aviation or alternative fuels whichever way it sort of it gets to the market quicker I think is the main thing there so we need to have a real commitment to those engineering solutions not just you know we need to do something it's an actual we doing something that I think we need the commitment to yeah so that we can still you know live within the progress that we've already made as human beings because you know we can't we do have the ability to travel across the planet or go into space don't we so yeah yeah. I'm very much an advocate for the fact that green doesn't mean backwards um it there's this sort of like preconception that when you're going green and when you're trying to reduce your emissions whatever you have to stop doing everything then and we have to revert back to before we had aircraft and cars and and that's not the way it works we just need to find better ways of doing those things now Um, and i think that's the commitment i want to see is just making alternatives for what we have it's not going backwards it's just going forwards in a different way Brilliant. Well, do you know what, Sophie, it's been amazing to talk to you. It really has. And, uh, you know, just just to see an insight to your world as well and how much you've achieved and what you're actually working on. Um, I think, you know, well done you. That, that's absolutely brilliant. It really is. So um, last question. I mean, you know, um, what are you inspired? I know this sounds, you know, mad <laughs> considering you've just started a new role, but what are you inspired to do next? 
aspire to do next yeah so i i'm excited to see where sort of i go with ba systems and electric products i'm very excited about that it's a new sort of area of the ba so i'm very excited about this um in terms of sort of wider views it's i i'm very excited to see how aerospace recovers um, it, aerospace has been hit really hard as I mentioned in in COVID there's been a lot of a lot of difficulties in, in wide aerospace um, so I am excited to see how they embed um, sort of new technologies in their recovery and things like that because you could have easily just gone okay let's just rebuild again the exact same thing we've already done but most companies haven't done that BA included so I'm really I'm really excited about that element of things. Brilliant. So, and also, you know, what would you say to a young version of you, you know, looking out to, to go into engineering, especially from a girl's point of view, because it's still quite a male dominated world, isn't it? It is, yeah, unfortunately, it is, unfortunately. But I think the advice I have for, for young girls and, and young boys, really, but is follow what you're interested in. If you're really interested in space and aerospace and aviation, then go into that like I have. If you're not interested in planes and space, then don't go into it. That's not what it, but that doesn't mean that engineering isn't for you. There's so many different types of engineering. If you're really interested in laptops and computing and coding, that's a type of engineering. If you're really interested, I don't know, in, in you know, makeup and cosmetics, there is engineering in that. Chemical engineering is very much a strong part of that so whatever you're really interested in and passionate about follow that because it will engineering will get you there somehow some way and you'll be working on something that you really enjoy and I think that's the best part about engineering is you can touch any subject any any technology anything in the world really get your hands on and you can leave that legacy in there through engineering and I think that's yeah there's no, no better job to do that in I think oh brilliant I can see you're really passionate <laughs> Um, you can even there's even engineering in food, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> there is indeed, yes, there really is. I believe food engineering is a course you can take. So yes, it very much is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, what are your plans for this week? Are you um, going to be celebrating Engineering Day in any way, or? Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I've got quite a few sort of uh, outreach and media opportunities this week, which I'm excited to do because I always love sharing engineering. As you could tell, I'm very passionate about this, and I think it's important we talk about it more. And um, so I've got quite a lot of those going on, and, and including I'm going to uh, to a school in person, which I'm very excited about because that's not happened in a very long time. And <laughs> um, this week, so yeah, so it's going to be very much a case of just you know celebrating it and, and sharing it with as many people as I can. Yeah, and the younger generation as well. I think, you know, as you said, going into school, that'll be they'll be so excited to hear about, you know, everything that you've been doing as well to do with space travel. So yeah, that's brilliant. As I said, thank you so much for coming on today and good luck and happy engineering day. Oh, thank you. Likewise, thank you for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Teatime with AM. Bye for now.